Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. In 1966, the Yiddish writer and Holocaust survivor Isaiah Spiegel published his novel Flames from the Earth in Israel. The book was translated from Yiddish into Hebrew and French and even won awards for the Hebrew translation. But like the vast majority of Yiddish literature, it didn't appear in English. There has been a general tendency to think of Yiddish as having died along with the six million. This is Julian Levinson, the Samuel Schetzer Professor of American Jewish Studies and Associate Professor of English Language and Literature at the University of Michigan. Most of the Yiddish literature that people know comes from the shtetl, comes from the period of immigration, deals with issues prior to the Holocaust. So really, Yiddish literature has been marginalized from the map of Holocaust literature. Levinson is doing his best to remedy that situation, at least in the case of Spiegel's novel, by translating it into English. He first encountered the book in Israel on his grandparents' bookshelf. My grandfather, who passed away in the early 80s, was a sociologist and a kind of a bibliophile. He collected books. His bookshelf was filled with books, which was kind of the bane of my grandmother's existence because he passed away. She lived an additional uh, 40 years with these books. To help lighten the load, Levinson grabbed Spiegel's novel more or less at random. And then back in the States, it sat on his bookshelf for several years until one day. I began thumbing through it and I realized it was about the Lodge Ghetto. It was written by a survivor. It was published in Israel. And I just became fascinated with the story. Where did this novel come from? As Levinson learned, Spiegel began writing vignettes and stories that would end up in the novel while still in the Lodge Ghetto in Poland. When the ghetto was liquidated in August 1944 and its inhabitants sent to concentration camps, Spiegel hid his pages, hoping to somehow survive and retrieve them. And, miraculously, he did. But the novel is remarkable not only for its origins, Levinson says, but also because it's set in the ghetto. The literature of the Holocaust that is most widely known focuses almost exclusively on the extermination camps, the killing centers, the horrible, unimaginably hellish experience of Auschwitz. The ghetto experience was also hellish, Levinson says, but it was different from the camps. In many cases, Jews lived and endured far longer in the ghetto than in the camps. The vast majority of the Jews who were killed in the concentration, in the extermination camps, died on, on arrival. So the Holocaust experience actually takes place to a large extent in the ghettos. And unlike much Holocaust literature, Spiegel's work doesn't focus exclusively on the interaction between Nazis and Jews. Instead, it depicts a complex web of relationships among Jewish and non-Jewish characters struggling to survive under extreme conditions. The story begins in the winter of 1944, four years since the Lodge ghetto was established. The hero is introduced, Vigdor, who has already lost his wife to suicide and his baby daughter to starvation, and he's alone. He encounters the sister of his former lover, who brings him to the bedside of his former lover, who is dying. 
this sister and the hero, they develop an intimate relationship and she also draws him into a group of resistors. Spiegel also devotes considerable attention to non-Jewish Poles outside the ghetto. An old bell ringer in a church near the ghetto has hidden a Jew who is actually on a mission to contact people in the Ludge ghetto. There are also some evil Polish characters who run a tavern. And when the Nazi guard in the region dies, there's anxiety that the new Nazi guard will look into these evil Poles smuggling business. So they make a deal with the new Nazis that they will betray, that they will hand over a Jew in hiding for protection. So they betray the Polish bell ringer who is murdered by the Nazis. Thousands of interviews with survivors have captured testimony about the Holocaust, including the Lodz Ghetto. But for Levinson, it's important to also recognize the unique value of the Holocaust fiction written by survivors. I feel like very often when we listen to survivors telling their stories, we're focusing on the what, what happened. Spiegel gives you the what in very subtle strokes, and he focuses much more on the how. You know, how did it feel? Survivor testimony often deals with emotions, too, but for Levinson, the novel provides a unique sense of place and immediacy. What we have here is somebody who is telling his own story. He's not responding to questions from an interviewer. Plus, Spiegel is writing in Yiddish, his native tongue. Many of the survivor testimonies we have are from people who are speaking second, third, or fourth languages, which is fine and which is, is unbelievably valuable and moving material. But the novelist adds, I would say, that other component um, of the, the how and the subjective uh, interpretation of the experience as it was happening. The novel also enables Spiegel to describe life in and outside of the ghetto from a variety of perspectives, both Jewish and non-Jewish. We've got good Poles, bad Poles, we've got Nazis, we've got Jews who are trying to come in to save others. That kind of bird's eye perspective that he tries to give you means that it's not just one experience, not just victims and oppressors. In, in some sense, everybody in the novel is oppressed as part of a system. Spiegel's novel is often compared to the work of another survivor of the Lodge ghetto, Chava Rosenfarb, whose three-volume novel, The Tree of Life, we discussed in an earlier podcast. But where Rosenfarb's scope is broad, extending from before the war to its aftermath, Spiegel concentrates his novel specifically on the ghetto. It calls upon the reader to imagine that moment with this incredible tension, expectation, hope, all of all of that is compressed. You don't have the possibility of stepping back and seeing the whole the way that Rosenfarb does. So in a way, it's a more intense, short, visceral experience. Also in contrast to Rosenfarb's novel and to most Holocaust writing, Flames from the Earth, as we've mentioned, devotes considerable attention to non-Jewish characters. Spiegel was born and raised in Poland, spoke Polish, and was steeped in Polish culture. And so, Levinson says, he had real affection for that culture and wanted his novel, in the character of the old Polish bell ringer, to acknowledge that not all Poles were anti-Semites and Nazi collaborators. Spiegel obviously felt 
that that was a story that needed to be told. There are evil poles, without a doubt, but this character is very touching. You know, he has visions. He has visions of Jesus coming down from the cross, carrying a dying Jew in his arms. He feels he's called upon by Jesus to protect the Jews. Spiegel goes very far into this and 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 really tries to salvage something, I would say, from the Polish uh, culture that he was moved by. Living in Israel after World War II, Spiegel was not able to support himself on writing alone. He worked for the government and, after retiring due to health reasons, lived on a pension until he died in 1990. Spiegel is not nearly as well-known as Primo Levi, Elie Wiesel, and others who wrote about the Holocaust, but he was celebrated in his lifetime by the community of Yiddish readers in Israel and elsewhere. And when Levinson's English translation of Flames from the Earth is published, he hopes that the book will reach a new audience of readers who are interested in Jewish history and in exploring what it means to live under extreme duress. You know, we're living through our own period of duress right now. It pales in some ways in comparison to the ghetto experience, but not if you're um, struggling for your life, God forbid. So it uh, speaks to various experiences. I was just reading again my introduction, and I <laughs> talk about the fact that the Nazis used the idea that the Jews were contagious to justify the ghetto uh, to the larger Polish population. They projected a view of the ghetto as a as a quarantine, and of course that word is now uh, taken on a, a whole new valence. So that's just an example of how a novel can speak to ever changing experiences in unexpected ways. That does it for this episode of Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The executive producer of Frankly Judaic is Jeffrey Weidlinger, the director of the Frankel Center. You can find the Frankly Judaic podcast anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And we hope you'll leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.